The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. Well, good morning. This is the Tea Health Show, the Tea Health Clinic that brings you male and female sexual health. And in studio, as usual, we have Dr. Mark. And today we're talking about a very hard topic. Good morning, uh-huh. Mark. Morning, Chris. How are you? I'm all good. I'm all good. Bright yes. and bubbly this uh, morning. Thank you. You know, it's a public holiday and um, we're talking everything erections, hard-ons. So, yes, it's a hard topic to discuss. Very hard topic. Well, hopefully it's a hard topic. I think that's what we're discussing is when it's not so hard. Yeah. So, you know, today we're going to talk about um, erectile dysfunction. In in my in my mind, I don't like calling it erectile dysfunction. Our producer, Dante, who's in the studio with us today, um, is uh, going to... Um, uh, kill me over that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we do. Will. We do take uh, phone calls um, or WhatsApps. Our WhatsApp number is zero six four two one two eight seven zero one. Fantastic. So, um, send us your WhatsApps, and uh, we will answer them. If we can't answer them during the course of a show. We will get back to you uh, in due course. Fantastic. Right. Let's. L- l- what is erectile dysfunction? The classification or, of erectile dysfunction or the definition of erectile dysfunction is if a man is unable to sustain an erection long enough or hard enough to achieve penetrative um, sex or maintain penetrative sex. Right. And that's, um, you know what, what erectile dysfunction is. So shoving, like, a, shoving a marshmallow into a parking meter. Yeah, I would call it, you know, a chewing gum, but still, <laughs> um, we, we need to differentiate between different types of erectile dysfunction. Yeah. I like to call it sexual dysfunction instead of erectile dysfunction. Most, People suffering from erectile dysfunction is psychological. Yes. Um, there's very few primary causes of erectile dysfunction. Um, when we look at primary erectile dysfunction, these are people that have nerve damage. Um, that's been in accidents, mm. et cetera, et cetera. People who had vascular damage to the pelvic area or the perineum where there is no further blood flow to the penis. So those those are um, more kinds of your primary um, erectile dysfunctions, if we can classify it like that. There's a lot of causes of erectile dysfunction. Um, let's start with a couple of conditions. Right. Hypertensives. Okay. Hypertension in itself not necessarily the medication. Hypertension in itself is a cause for uh, erectile loss of erectile function. Let's put it that way. Diabetics, where we have decreased blood flow right. to end organs. Um, I'd never thought of that, actually, but it makes perfect sense. Absolutely. You know, something that's very interesting, a lot of our, our psychiatric conditions… Yeah. Are associated 
with erectile dysfunction. It's so strange because a lot of psychiatric conditions also end up with some hypersexuality. Hypersexuality, but erectile dysfunction. dysfunction. Okay. Um, one of the things that for me is most probably the, the biggest thing that we need to look at is, and you know, it was just a visor that's opening remotely. I don't think it will pick it up too, even too much. So, um, medication, prescription medication. Um, here we are looking at antihypertensive, antipsycho, um, uh, psychiatric medication, um, some of our um, uh, opioids uh, will cause it, codeine, uh, pethidine, uh, morphine, fentanyl, um, all of those will cause um, erectile dysfunction uh, or can lead to erectile dysfunction. Lifestyle, alcohol, uh, substance abuse. Okay, but I mean, I, I mean, I- Alcohol, and, and I think what we probably need to do here is differentiate slightly as well. It certainly happened to me where you, where you go out and you've had you've had a lot to drink, and then certainly you can't can't get get an erection. But are you t- are you talking long term long term alcohol, alcohol abuse? abuse. Okay. Now this one, listen carefully, young boys and girls. Steroid abuse. Ooh, yes. So all these gym junkies. Um, steroid junkies, juice junkies, whatever you want to call them. Be careful. Um, but Mark, they love it because they've got these big guns. They've got, got they've everything. Got they've got a thing. tiny, tiny willy, small balls. It's always and pimples it's, on their back, but it's hell. We always look the same. <laughs> they, they look good until their pants come off and then it's, oh, shame. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know what? In their, in their thirties, forties, uh, and later on in life, when yeah. you are not juicing anymore, um, you know what? Uh, you're going to be kicked to the curb because you can't get it up. Right. You know, it's so I mean, be that's careful. a very, very real, real thing that we need to talk about, to understand are all the cofactors. So when you prescribe medication, you some of the side effects may include this. But if you're taking stuff from that really nice oak who helps you bench press or whatever it is, no, you know, you've got to be so careful what you're putting into your body. It's very interesting. I don't, Chris, and we'll, we'll get into this because there's a couple of things that, that I will highlight during the course of this morning um, as to just how dangerous it, dangerous it is to, to use Stuff willy-nilly. So um, let's let's start focusing on the modalities that we have right. for erectile dysfunction. Um, I was doing a, a bit of reading, um, and it was very interesting. Last night I was watching a program on CakeNet, and it was called Dispreekamer. <clears throat> and one of the uh, which, topics… Which is the waiting room, the doctor's waiting yeah. room. And… Uh, one of the one of the topics that they discussed is Doctor Google, <laughs> and um, he's great, eh? Um, he finds everything wrong with me. So it's it's very interesting that fifty only fifty four percent of patients who do Google searches 
come close to a decent, correct diagnosis. I can actually believe that. Half. Yeah. Half people come to a direct diagnosis. Now, there's a counter-argument on this one that when you do that, it causes anxiety because you see other symptoms that you do not um, have. Yeah, I know. I had the bubonic plague the other day. And, you know, it very easily, you know, I take it from when I was at med school. (laughs) We were at med school. It was very easy to have, you know, anything from Sugar's disease to the weirdest possible tumor that you heard of previous day. Yeah. I mean, Mark, I mean, to be honest, I sit in the, I sit in our, uh, doing these shows with you and I always think, "Mm, yeah, I've got that. Oh, I've, you know, I've got that symptom, et cetera. And and, uh, it's a natural thing to do. So why I'm bringing up this point is there was three websites that were listed. Now, the one is Medscape. And this is where I did some reading. So Medscape is a, is, is a platform where doctors communicate with one another on clinical signs and symptoms. We have lots of research papers on there. We have lots of clinical data in there. And it's part from Medline, most probably doctors go to place for information. We also have a lot of continued medical education on there. Um, so, you know, that's where, where we turn to. It's a good website. And for patients, if you really want to go and read up on something, go there. Because, you know, but the research papers that are there are articles that's published and it's been peer-reviewed. Right. And this is the important one. I mean, my, It's my peer-reviewed. Only... It's reviewed by medical doctors in the same field. So it's Absolutely. unbiased. Absolutely. Most, most papers that are published are published on behalf or with bias towards pharmaceutical companies. Right. Okay. So let's move on. Um, and one of the things that was very interesting when I did my reading on Medscape is that they still only have very few treatment modalities. Prescription medication, and we'll get into those ones now, first line. Right. And there's under those, <clears throat> there's about four different types of medication. But I beg your pardon, throw to my frog. <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, then we have a few other treatment modalities, psychotreatment, sexual uh, um, treatment in the form of psychotherapy um, being number two. Right. Who knew? Um, I mean, you know, really, who very, because, uh, and I can tell you why that is. Most erectile dysfunction is not a plumbing fault, if I can call it like that. The mechanics is working. Well, I mean, th- that part of our anatomy is very much plumbing for the main part. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the mechanics that is working. That means that the problem sits supratentorial. And when we talk about supratentorial, we're talking about the brain. Right, right. Nice word. And then you have your devices. Mm. And we'll talk about them. But that only gives us three. Yes. 
In my practice, the T-Clinic, we specialize in six different treatment modalities, and I like to combine them. We did a, a, um, the series of real health. I think it was series 13, if I'm looking at our director. Last one. Yeah. Uh, um, series 12, 12 um, of real health, which is available <clears throat> on on the home channel, and it you know it you can you can get the clips on the website, the T Clinic website, and on Facebook mm. but for the T Clinic Facebook site. Um, it was uh, episode eleven, twelve, and thirteen, which spoke about sexual dysfunction, and there we took two episodes to discuss uh, erectile dysfunction in men. So I'm going to highlight them quickly, um, and then we'll go into them in detail. So. For me, assessment of erectile dysfunction, making the correct diagnosis is essential. Right. So how do we go about doing that? Usually, we can have just an interview with a patient. It is essential that physical examination becomes part of this. Of course. We need to look at things like blood flow to the pelvic area, prostate, peripheral pulses. That's pulses in your feet, in your calves. So, so is, is the blood, is the getting, blood actually getting, getting through? Right. Okay. So other investigations that we do, we do some blood tests, not a lot are required. I do extensive blood tests because I do hormone replacement therapy. Yes. So these blood tests do make uh, form part of my routine blood tests. So blood tests that we usually do is we go and take a look at your prostate-specific antigen. Right. We take a look at your thyroid hormone. Thyroid? Thyroid. Very interesting. Sure. Okay. Remember, thyroid is one of our steroid hormones. Ah, yes, of course. We do a lipid screen. Yes. We look at cholesterol. Remember this. Cholesterol is the beginning of all your steroid hormones. Testosterone, estrogen, androgen, progesterone, cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline. They all come from one place, and it's cholesterol. We... Take a look then at your androgens, testosterone being one of them. And sometimes we do a biochemical screen. What is happening on your full blood count? What's happening on your UNE? What's happening in iron, et cetera, et cetera. There's something that was widely used, and I remember a, an episode on sex in the city. I, yes, I know I'm giving away my age <laughs> and my sexual proclivities, but you know what? Yes. <clears throat> If you remember correctly, Charlotte was advised to put a, a, a paper ring around her husband's penis. I remember that episode. Okay. And it, it's called a tumescence test. Right. At nighttime, during REM sleep, men get erections. We need to get those erections because it's important for us to get blood flow into the penis. The penis is sponge tissue. If we don't get blood flowing in and out, and this is the thing, in, in 
and, and out, out right. of that sponge tissue. It's like a sponge that you leave in the sun that gets hard. It doesn't absorb water anymore. And not hard in the good way. Exactly. It yeah. becomes uh, um, rigid, not stiff. It's like sandpaper, actually. It becomes yeah. like that, yeah. So a tumescence test is something that's, that's done. And we have very interesting new devices on the market today that test it. It's not widely used, but you know what? Maybe try and sleep with a paper ring. Let's see what happens if, and the if idea you is have the doubt. The ring must must break or, or stretch. Or well, it depends. Probably if you're a shower or a grower. Yeah, sure, but, but that's but that's the idea. Is that is that there's some movement and you can see some movement on the paper. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's go into treatment. I think this for most men is is the most important part because this plays such a big role in relationships. And 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 we've said earlier that there are. Generally, three modalities of treatment that are used. That, in the that, clinic, that, we've got six. We have six different ones. Wow. So let's start with hormone replacement or hormone balancing. Right. And I, I want to reiterate, it's hormone balancing. The body is a very complex system of systems. Yes. Think of a... a, a an old clock. It's got all these little gears and one gear turns another gear. If one of these gears break, yeah. one of the hands stop functioning. But that is supposed to turn another cog. And that cog either starts turning faster or stops turning. And then the whole system starts breaking And eventually, down. the whole system starts jamming. And that's what happens in the body when hormone systems go out of balance. I often use the analogy of it's like a river that's flowing and it's breaking up into little streams and rivulets. All of them eventually come back into the main channel. Right. But if you dam, and we see this in the animal kingdom very well with beavers – if we dam one of these streams, you have a flood upstream. Yes. Now think of a flood of hormones upstream. It blocks and we get negative feedback. You're going to start channeling water, more water into your other streams. Right. Down from this dam where it's dammed, where it's blocked, you will have drought. And that mm. very, is very what happens. Analogy, yeah. That's what happens in hormone systems when they mm. go out of balance. Mm. So you cannot only focus on one system. You have to focus on all these systems. And that's what makes hormone replacement and hormone balancing very difficult, very time consuming. And that's why and very, very specialized, very specialized. And that's why very few practitioners spend time on it. it takes too much time and I always defend my colleagues um, yeah but why didn't my GP pick this up because your GP seeing patients with heart attacks and pneumonias um, you know but to spend an hour on someone with hormone replacement um, he has someone dying in his waiting yeah yeah okay or he doesn't eat one of the two okay so hormone balancing that's where we start we have to look 
at all of these. I said to you we take a look at thyroid function. Right. Thyroid stimulating hormone. In your thyroid, iron and vitamin D play incredibly big roles in the functioning of your um thyroid hormone itself. It activates T1, T2, T3, and T4. If you have deficiency in vitamin D, your thyroid's not working. That has an effect on erectile functioning. Right. If you are iron deficient, vitamin D deficiency. If you are iron deficient, if you are zinc, copper, selenium deficient, those are all the supplements you, you really are very good at giving. You know what, Chris, I've been specializing in this for a very long time now, and it comes with experience. Mm. You know what, we also have to remember, over-supplementing causes toxicity. Yes. So, so it's getting yeah. Again, it's that yeah. balance. It's coming yeah. back to that balance. Um, so I'm slightly off my trolley at the moment. Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, look, you, you, you're talking about Okay, so we're talking about hormone balancing. Balancing, yeah. Okay. So it's not only testosterone that we have to look at. We have to look at the balance between testosterone and estrogen. Incredibly important. Estrogen would have a suppressive effect on libido and erectile functioning. But we need estrogen to protect us from cardiovascular disease. And when we come to the prescription medications, we'll talk about cardiovascular disease and erectile functioning. So let's leave hormone replacement therapy there. Or hormone balancing. For me, that's always the first place where I start. Right. Is what can I do naturally to bring the body back into balance? Then we go over to the GP's favorite and your urologist's favorite. And this is prescription medication. Now, there's a couple of types that we have. We have our PDE inhibitors. Or stimulants, that's your normal over the uh, prescription medication. Cialis, Viagra, um, Levitra. There's another one. The blue pills. Yeah. Um, there's another one that's quite new. It's not available in South Africa as far as I know. And that's a new drug. It's called Avanifil. That's the active ingredient. Right. So it falls in the same range as your PDE, um, uh, five um, products. Um, I don't know when it will be available in South Africa, but it has less side effects and it's more targeted. So these drugs work on dilatation of vessels in the corpus cavernosum. So the corpus cavernosum is that sponge tissue that we've been talking about that's in the penis. We have two tubes of them. So what it does, it expands that. Is it that expands the blood, the blood vessels. vessels. It causes vasodilatation. And this is why we have side effects with them. The headache, the flushing, mm. um, those are caused by vasodilatation. So for someone that's taken Cialis or Viagra, I can't take Cialis. My nose immediately blocks. Um, I sound... More nasal than ever. So, um, for me, you know, but those have their place. They were contraindicated or, um, they should be care taken prescribing them, especially in our patients 
Lo and behold, with cardiovascular disease and hypertension. Exactly. And, and what always has worried me about them is the, peop- the men taking those medications are in that age group where they have to watch out for their hearts and their blood pressures and their this is and their that. So there's an interesting st- statistic, and I hope I'm getting this one right. Um, there's a two in one million chance of having a cardiovascular event in the during um, climax and the first twenty minutes thereafter. Thereafter, first twenty minutes thereafter. Well, that makes in sense. In men. With cardiovascular disease and specifically hypertension. Okay. Okay. After intercourse, which may, which, which using makes these drugs. Why so many men die on the job, so to, so to speak. Okay. But it's because of the exertion. It's not a direct effect because of the, um, drugs. Right. So interestingly enough, if you have hypertension, make sure that you're fit and healthy. Well, it makes perfect sense. You know, it, so again, lifestyle changes. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. That's one of the prescription medications. Then we have two others. The one I remember from my days when I was still um, at med school and worked as a pharmacist. Um, you guys might remember it. You're both old enough. Maybe your dads used it. It was called Muse. No. Never heard of Muse? Never heard of Muse. Some of our older patients will remember Muse. It's not widely used anymore, but it's a brilliant drug. So it's a intraurethral um, uh, suppository. Intraurethral? So it's a so tiny little pellet. Your, your pea shaft. Yeah. So it's a tiny little um, suppository that you put inside your penis. It's what's called Muse. Okay. Never, and, never heard of it. And then we have our prescription uh, injectables. And I want to stand still here for a second. The ones available on the market, the one that's widely available on the market in South Africa and is prescribed quite often is Coverject. Right. Okay. So it's um, Alprostadol. Pro, uh, and we inject it directly into the penis and it causes into the shaft of the penis. In, yeah. And it causes, um, vasodilatation there in the co- uh, cavernosum. In 1993, that's when we started with commercially available treatments for erectile dysfunction. 1993. Um, and the first one was papaverine. So papaverine is something that we use to cause general vasodilatation in in um, the body. It sounds so. It, it really sounds dangerous to me. The problem with these drugs is that they can cause prolonged, painful erections, priapism, which that's not being able to lose an erection. That's and that uh, results in you having surgical procedures on your penis to drain the blood and I want to stand still there. I had a patient yesterday in my practice that flew up from Umtata to come and see me. Desperate. He is 
um, been to his urologist that prescribed the normal medication for him. And when the medication stopped working, and this is a real, real effect, is that these medications eventually start, start losing effectivity. Right. The body, uh, uh, body adapts to, it, to them. Yeah. Okay. And he went to the men's clinic. And the men's clinic does a combination that's widely used by a lot of practitioners, um, which is a combination drug with papaverine, um, alprostadol, et cetera, et cetera. Very effective. Right. Side effect. It can cause prolonged erections. It happens and it's incredibly dangerous. We spoke a little bit earlier about blood getting in and out. If mm. we can't get the blood out, the blood becomes oxygen depleted and tissue starts dying off. Yeah. yeah. This is what happens with guys and you know what we we've seen this guys that use erectile devices like penis rings, cock rings, etc. etc. Et mm. and they get trapped and you know what suddenly they have a blue engorged incredibly painful penis and the only treatment for us is surgically going to remove that blood um sticking uh, 18 or 16 gauge oh. needles guys this is what we use to inject elephants with uh, into the penis oh. to try and get blood out because, no, because of it's the engorgement blood by that stage yeah. so it's thick so, you know, it, it's oxygen oh, depleted. I've crossed and, my legs talking about this. And this is, this is the problem that we have with these medications. You have to play around with the dose. If you get that dose incorrect, and this is my patient, 24 hours later, he went back to them. There was a room full of guys all having the same problem. Uh, Painful 24-hour erections. Now, I don't know if it's ever happened to you. It happened to me once. I wanted to die. The pain is excruciating. Um, And there's nothing that you can do about it. Um, There's an an injection that can turn it around, but that's a complete vasoconstrictor. So… You know what? Gosh, it's getting too technical. Ex- get it up, get it down, get it up, get it down. Exactly. You know, and this is the problem everywhere. that we are facing with. And this is why I, I wanted to stand still at this point. Prescription medication is available because it's effective. It's only safe when used as prescribed. Right. And human nature being what it is… Um, if a little is good, more must be better. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So let's move on. So we have our two main ones. That is prescription medications. There's the different types of them. We, we discussed that. Um, hormone balancing. And now we come to the newer kids on the block. Right. So a couple of years ago, again, I think he's a madman, genius, but madman. Dr. Charles Runnels um, started using platelet-rich plasma and treating erectile dysfunction with it. Um, What lets anyone 
just stick a needle into their own penises, inject themselves with whatever, um, still takes a mad genius, but he did so. And it's revolutionized the way in which we treat erectile dysfunction. Right. So let's just quickly recap what platelet-rich plasma is. We've spoken about it on various shows, and um, I think we might speak about it uh, again. Platelet-rich plasma is plasma, blood plasma, that's rich in platelets. Right. So quick, blood consists of four main constituents, red blood cells, which carries oxygen, very important. White blood cells, which is responsible for our immune system. Platelets, traditionally we thought about platelets as responsible only for clotting and then the water component, the plasma. Right. Now, think about this. If we have an injury like a cut, we bleed, we clot. The clotting is, is, is done by the platelets. But that tissue that's been damaged needs to be repaired. Yes. The platelets, the moment that they outside of a blood vessel yes. degranulate, they burst and they release growth-like factors. And it's these growth-like factors that are the blueprint for cells, how to repair themselves, for cells to call in for uh, reinforcement, call in builders, call in construction companies and build not only um, new cells, right. but new tissue, new blood vessels, new nerves, new nerve endings. We harvest this to use in patients with impaired blood flow to the penis, and they which use, is use all of us. They own blood. I take blood. your blood from your arm. I treat it by spinning it into a centrifuge and then I take that separated platelets and plasma and I inject it back into the penis. Right. Not all PRPs are equal. Sure. So that's the first thing. People ask, but if it comes from myself, why is it so expensive? Because the way in which we have to spin that blood, the way in which we have to treat that blood to give you the highest concentration of platelet-rich plasma instead of platelet-poor plasma determines the outcome. Right. So, very easy procedure. Um, one of these days, we'll, we'll shoot a little video about it um, and – you know what, we use a, num a topical numbing agent that we put onto the penis um, and we inject the plasma back into the sponge tissue where, you know what, if we think about the analogy of that hard sponge, it softens the sponge, it makes it new, it makes it more porous. We have right. more ability to get blood flowing in fill these spaces between the little septi and flow out in a controlled manner. Bigger, and I, when I say bigger, I do not mean… Uh, Girth or length. No, I, sorry, you know what, that's exactly what I mean. Oh, okay. Bigger, longer, duration. Stronger. I've got an appointment open in about half an hour. <laughs> rigidity. Um, rigidity. Firmness for longer. Right. Okay. Then we have a modality that's quite new, 
in a sense that it's been refined. It's been around for a long time, and it's biostimulation, bioelectrical stimulation. Right. When we think about bioelectrical stimulation, it's um, one of one of uh, the pre- um, presenters came in this morning, and we said we're going to strap a car battery to his <laughs> willy. Um, you know what? It's not that. It's microcurrent. Right. Um, that we use. And in two weeks time, I think we're going to have a, um, a podcast specifically about bioelectrical stimulation in erectile dysfunction. But we're also talking about it in a lot of other modalities like uh, incontinence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So bioelectrical stimulation is when we use these microcurrents and they directly stimulate certain cell types to activate. And when we activate cells, they start regenerating, they start reproducing, they start cloning, etc., etc. And these bioelectrical stimulation are, is, or is, and this bioelectrical stimulation is aimed at restoring blood flow, restoring nerve tissue, and tissue deposit. So again, bigger, longer, harder, stronger. It's a lovely byword. Bigger, longer, harder, stronger. Absolutely. I think that should be our payoff line. Now, the two new kids on the block. Yeah. So we've done four. Let's quickly recap. We've done hormone balancing. Yeah. We've done prescription medication. Yeah. We've done repair or regenerative medicine in the form of PRP and bioelectrical stimulation. And now we go to two new ones. Very new is peptide therapy. Peptide? Seriously? Peptide therapy. So with peptide therapy, we're thinking – a lot of people don't know what peptides are. Peptides are um, building blocks of hormones. So with peptide therapy, what we're basically doing is we're stimulating normal hormonal pathways. Right. The one that we are aiming for in erectile dysfunction or erectile functioning is oxytocin. Okay. Oxytocin works on the limbic system in the brain. That's the part of the brain that's responsible for feeling good. And by stimulating the normal oxytocin pathways, we increase things like dopamine, serotonin. GABA, melatonin. All the feel-good stuff. All the feel-good stuff. Right, right. This is not an antidepressant. This is not a stimulant. We increase normal oxytocin levels. Oxytocin makes us feel better. It makes us function better. It's almost like an endorphin. Yes. Okay. But this is natural. It's natural stimulation. So people know peptides. Everyone in a gym will know melanotan because they're all brown. Yeah. It's a peptide. It's a very dangerous one. And you know what? We'll go into that. We'll we'll go into it in a program where we're talking about um, melanoma. And that will be with Dr. Peter Scott one of these days. Um, And by increasing oxytocin and serotonin and dopamine, we increase not only libido, but 
erectile functioning. When I prescribe it to my patients, I prescribe it specifically for these guys who have a little bit of a psycho, um, psychiatric component uh, about erectile functioning. When they fear and they have anxiety around going into a uh, situation when uh, there's a sexual connotation. Um, this makes you wake up in the middle of the night with a hard-on. This makes you wake up in the morning with a morning erection where you pee in the shower yeah. and then you dry your towel. So um, it's it's a beautiful, safe add-on medication. Right. It's called PT-141. In layman's terms, it's known as lover's peptide. Okay. Okay. It needs to be used responsibly. Remember, this stimulates normal hormonal pathways. The moment that you start dabbling there, you need to know what you're doing because you can create… Balance. Exactly. It's all about balance. And is is, is this a prescribed… Is is, is it prescription-based? The problem with peptides is they're not regulated. Okay. So you go onto the internet and you can get any kind of peptide from God knows where. Um, and that's why I'm saying be careful. Be very careful about what you use and in what quantities. Right. Okay. The newest one on the block, and this is my favorite, very, very few people know about this, is neurotoxins. So, Chris, a neurotoxin, what do you think about? Well, I think of a spider bite, actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, it's fresh from the jaws of an anaconda. So yeah. when we talk about neurotoxins, we're actually talking botulinum toxin. Oh, yes, of course. Botox. Neurotoxin, yes. Botox. My so, friend, Botox. Um, when we talk about neuromodulators, you know what? We think of something that relaxes muscle. Right. The last thing that you would think we would use into a penis that we're trying to get rigid is to relax muscle. But remember, the rigidity comes from blood flow, which is governed by the contraction of muscles in the blood vessel. So if we can relax the blood vessel, dilates more blood flow, better blood flow in and out of of um, the penis, bigger erections, stronger erections. So in my practice, the T-Clinic, we combine all these modalities. There are very few people or clinics around that can do this. I'm a specialist practice and I have specialist people working with me. I have a whole team. Mm. For us working on one erectile functioning patient, we have three different people working on that Absolutely. Patient. It's a multidisciplinary it's team. It's multidisciplinary. It's amazing. And you know what? That gives us the best outcome. Mm. We are looking at different modalities of treatment, but we know currently we have a solution for every single patient out there. If it's an implant, a surgical implant, a penile device, it can be done. If it's um, an angioplasty that we have to uh, revascularize the penis, it can be done. It depends on how much money you're willing to throw at this. Right. This doesn't have to be expensive. 
there are answers to patients. My biggest satisfaction and one of the, the nicest things that happens in my practice is after a couple of weeks um, when our patients say to us, thank you, you, you saved my marriage mm. or you changed my life. It's phenomenal. Uh, you know, it, and it is that we are sexual beings. Um, we often have Sister Elise on the show and it's always a great show because we talk about Sister O. The, I want to call her Sister O from now on. Sister O. Good morning, Sister O. I know that you're listening. Um, when Elise talks about the sexual revolution, I, I had a patient in my office the other day and she described her life as I'm disconnected from my life. And what we see with so many couples that walk into our offices, the couples are disconnected from one another. Mm. I want to reiterate this. And if this is a message that we can get across, a lot of sexual dysfunction is because of a lack of communication between parties. Yes. Yes. For men, the moment that we start seeing a decline in erectile functioning, we start going into a space of anxiety. Men's masculinity sits in the functioning of their penis. No matter what you say, if I'm in a sexual situation with you straight, gay, bi, tie, doesn't matter. Um, you know, if you can't function in a sexual situation, it immediately causes anxiety. Anxiety leads to a disconnect. Yes. Yes. On women, the moment that their partners are disconnecting from them on a physical level, it creates another form of anxiety. I'm not attractive anymore. He's having someone else. He's cheating on me. And you know what? It, it creates a retaliatory response in these, these people. You know, it's so, um, when you are going to approach me, I'm going to withdraw because if I approach you, you withdraw. We try and avoid situations like that. I have couples that in my office that three years down the line, they haven't had sex. But Mark, I had this conversation two days ago with a couple. He's in his sixties. She's in her early seventies, mid sixties, early seventies. And she said to me, Chris, am I that? Ugly. He won't touch me anymore. And his reasoning is, I'm too old. We're too old for all of this. And it was one of the saddest, saddest discussions I've had. I'm going to tell you a story um, about one of my favorite, favorite patients. Um, is a is a gentleman that came into my office, and you can see the smile on my face. Um, I, I so wish to name him by name him by name, but I won't. I'll just call him M. And Mr. M walked into my office at the age of 79. Ugh. And the first thing that he said to me was, my wife has passed away. I want to have sex again. And I looked at this little man that looked like a janitor and I thought, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> well, exactly. What, what, what am you, I going to do with you? You're old. You're supposed to be in your rocking chair. And, and you know what? I Not in a sling. I, <laughs> how did you know that? Um, but you know what? 
I looked at Mr. M and I said to him, okay, fine. You know what? This is going to be a challenge. You have comorbidities. You have diabetes. You have hypertension. Your blood flow is, is decreased. Let's see what we can do. And I will never forget it. The one day, Mr. M was in my office and I gave him the peptide. And I gave him a little bit more than I anticipated to. And when I realized exactly just what I've done in that moment, I said to him, you need to go home <laughs> now. And he called, he called Alice the next day. And he said to Alice, I don't know what Mark's done to me, but I had the best sex of my life ever. He was 79. Fantastic. So, you know what? There is no such thing as I'm too old. There is a thing is I'm too scared to inquire or seek help. Yes. It's a natural progression to age that sexual functioning decrease. It's unnatural that we accept it. But that's the point. It's unnatural to accept that we can't get a hard on that we don't we're not going to have sex that you know we're too old or i'm too embarrassed to, to talk about it yeah. yeah and i mean a lot of guy i i mean men are like that we we very very rarely will talk about something wrong with us absolutely it'll but get better you know but it's interesting um when i when i speak to elise uh, she says women also don't speak about it. We have very few minutes left. Um, Dante, did we get any any WhatsApps in? Gosh, can you read Dante's writing? Is it an old man's condition? No, it's normal. You know, it, all of us at some point will have some form of um, erectile problems. They are passing. They can be passing. Treat them correctly. Talk about them. Talk about it to your spouse. Talk about it to your GP. And don't let it become an issue. Are there exercises for erectile dysfunction? Oh, so we haven't touched on the devices. Yes. Vacuum pumps. Yeah. Vacuum pumps used correctly. This is not your good old-fashioned Hoover. Well, <laughs> <laughs> vacuum pumps used correctly. And when we talk about electrostimulation in, in two weeks' time, I'm actually going to ask our resident expert, um, Dante, who, who works with these patients and explains to the patients how to use pumps correctly. It is a, it's, it, we need to get blood flowing in and out. So it's not creating a vacuum and keeping it there. Again, the blood in, that goes out. in has oxygen. That oxygen gets used by the tissue. It gets starved of oxygen, which causes damage. It's a flow in and out. So let's quickly recap. Um, elect, um, erectile dysfunction. I like to call it sexual dysfunction because a lot of it's in the brain. It's not to do with the mechanics. It can be caused by a lot of medication. It can be caused by certain conditions. Speak to your GP about them. Traditional treatments, your GPs, your urologists will prescribe your prescription medications. There's 
two different types mainly used. Those are your oral tablets. We have your injectables. Be very careful with the injectables. They can cause permanent damage. One of the side effects can be Pyronis disease, where you create a curvature of the penis. In itself, Pyronis disease will cause erectile dysfunction because you block arteries and vessels. So be careful with those. Hormone balancing, this is not something that um, should be taken lightly. It's difficult. Um, The specialist treatments... Um, PRP, platelet-rich plasma treatments. Go read on, uh, about it. You can see the P-shot um, in my practice on the um, uh, on my website. It's called the ED shot, erectile functioning shot, erectile dysfunction shot. So go and look for that. Um, electrostimulation, bioelectric stimulation. That's not your little devices that you buy at a sex shop. It's completely different. Yeah. Um, Shockwave therapy, which is um, can be quite painful but works quite well, um, and then the new kids on the block. Uh, peptide therapy. Be careful where you get your peptides from. Call us at the T clinic. We can give you the right, correct ones, and then neuromodulators in the form of neurotoxins, um, botulinum toxin, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mark, this has been a fascinating talk. Uh, there's so much more that I think we can go into, and we will do it definitely in later programs uh, and and fill in on that. Thank you so much. This has been the Tea Health Show, sponsored by the Tea Clinic. If you have any questions, please feel free to send us WhatsApps on 064-212-8701. That's 064-212-8701. We will see you next week. Have a wonderful, yes, wonderful week. Yes, next week we are talking uh, electrostimulation. Lovely. Looking forward to it. Have a great day. Thank Ciao. you very much. The Tea Health Show, medical lifestyle show.